Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big warning before this episode, we are going to talk about depression and where that can lead. Check out the show notes for more information. A free cup of coffee from Pret, a surprise call from your mum and that sudden realisation that your cold has cleared up. There are a million things that I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? My favourite saying is fall down seven times, stand up eight. Because I know, I know no matter how many times I get knocked down, I can get back up. But I had to learn that for myself. I just wish someone would have said that to me at the very beginning. Welcome to Thanks A Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a cheeky look at my guest's gratitude list to find out the people, places and things that have shaped their lives. Today we have a man. Yes, it's happened. It's fine. The world will keep turning. So I'm Johnny Benjamin. I'm a mental health activist. I am a blogger and a writer. Johnny Benjamin was 20 when he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar. And while he's got plenty, he's thankful for today. At the time, as he puts it, he was all out of hope. When you've got no hope left and you're given a, a diagnosis of this, an illness that you know is going to be kind of for life, to kind of go off on a bit of a tangent, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer a couple of years ago. But when he was diagnosed, he was given his diagnosis and um, they were so hopeful when they gave him the diagnosis. Do you know what I mean? They were, and they gave him all these like little books to read about, you know, what to expect during treatment and, you know, how to, how to cope with like just day to day stuff. But it was all like really colorful, hopeful pictures, language, and there's nothing like that for mental health. So particularly a diagnosis like schizophrenia, it's like just a real lack of hope and looking forwards. And so... I just, nah, I was, yeah, I was done. I was done with, with life when I got that diagnosis. And I think, you know, it's it's not just mental health. Well, well maybe they're, they're one and the same thing, but addiction or yeah, eating disorders, sure. all of those things seem to be delivered with the sense of yeah. you're going to need to deal with this for life. And there's a kind of morbid yeah. uh, surrendering into that as your life sentence, which is really depressing for want of a more... <laughs> No, it is. It is, though. It is. I mean, it is. It really is. I felt like a burden. And that was, to be honest, why I went to the bridge. I felt, well, because, you know, obviously you think about not just yourself, but the people around you. And you're like, I'm now a a waste of space. I'm a waste of space. And and that is such a horrendous thought to feel like you're a burden on on people, Um, especially at a young age. You know, I thought my parents, you know. What what's, what 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 can I bring them anymore? I can't I can't bring them anything anymore. Do you know what I mean? In terms of um, I was I've been at university, I had good prospects, and now I've just been reduced to this kind of yeah this this illness that was gonna rely probably on people like my parents for the rest of my life, and I was just like that's not good, not just for me, but for everyone around me. And so it annoys me actually when people say you know things like suicide is selfish because. Well, no, in my case, I was actually thinking about the people around me mm-hmm. and I was thinking their life is going to be better, actually, if I'm not here. 
I, I gave up and I went to the bridge and, yeah. and I'd had enough, yeah. So you are, it's January 2008 and you're yep. on the bridge. You, so you left hospital and arrived at the bridge with the, with the intention yep. of ending your life. Yep. And so was it with absolute clarity you were done? Was there any doubt? Was there any fear or was it like, okay, cool, I've, I know where I'm going now? I knew from the night before. I'd had suicidal thoughts and feelings for a long time, but the night before was when I said, right, no, that's it. I'm going through this. And and once I had that in my head, I was like, right, I just need to, to, to run away from the hospital, get to the bridge, and that's it. And I was just in this, this horrible headspace where there was no other way out there was literally no other way out and so when I got onto the bridge and went onto the edge uh, yeah I was just sort of trying to push myself to then do it do it it's obviously quite high Waterloo Bridge right yeah and so it was just like right horrible place to be in but then obviously like out of the blue this guy stands next to me and starts to talk to me and he says himself like he could see like it kind of burst this little bubble I was in he was like I got shocked when he was there and yeah it took a while for me to really sort of begin to talk to him Mm -hmm. I was um was quite rude at first to him because I was like yeah I was like just f off yeah because like trying to get on with this basically Um, but he was very calm and patient and grounded and eventually um, I started to open up I started to form a sort of bond yeah almost immediately yeah well there was something about him that you know is um, maybe him being another young guy and Mm -hmm. him just being so open and calm and I I just I hadn't had anything like that before like in the hospital I was in it was really (laughs) everything was like done behind a clipboard and everyone spoke to you like in terms of numbers so it's like tell me Johnny on a scale of one to ten how you feeling about this today how you feeling about that and it was weird it was like the human the humanness was gone from the hospital um and I to be honest I'd I kept being sent back to what they called the suicide ward because obviously I was actively suicidal and um, in the suicide ward everything's taken away and someone just watches you. They don't talk to you. They just sit and observe you 24-7. And it was... But here was this guy that was like... Saw you. Yeah, but really... Yes, and really saw me. Yeah. And and listened and wanted to listen. Do you know what I mean? And I hadn't had that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd spent a month in this psychiatric hospital and here I was having this human conversation with someone that I hadn't had for such a long time. And yeah, it was really powerful, that yeah. that conversation. It's kind of amazing that there had obviously been interventions. You were in hospital with presumably very able professionals who, you know, are supposed to know how to deal with people and are equipped to deal with you at your most vulnerable. And yet their inability to 
kind of connect on a human level means that you're reduced to this I don't know statistic or kind of just that sense that you're not like an individual who needs specific unique things not just okay what do these guys need today one to ten yeah, no, I it's not the fault of people working there I don't think I, I never want to I hate to criticize because I mean like the NHS do they're, they're incredible and, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for, for the NHS actually so grateful so it's not them it's the system it's the system that they've been brought into you know I've been to I now if people are training to become psychiatrists or mental health nurses, I'll, I'll go and speak to them. Yeah. And they say, we learn everything from a textbook. And it's just so clinical. And they need to hear from people with the lived experience. You know, it's so important that they hear what we need. We're the experts. We're the, you know, we're the ones living it. Mm-hmm. And often, and it frustrates me when it comes to things like mental health, care and treatment, the people are left out. You know what I mean? The people that are living it are left out. So things really, really need to change. So there's an assumption that you, in your state, don't know what you need. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. When actually, I think if my psychiatrist had probably really sat down and really tried to listen to me, instead of kind of being like, well, you're really ill, you just need this medication, that's it. But really, really, and, and not the numbers, put down the clipboard and like really, really talk to me. And also, I think, talk to me in terms of, there is a future and, and talk to me in terms of this is okay. This is human. What you're going through. Yeah. Cause you're one not of the, on your own. You're yeah. not a freak. You're not Cause I thought, broken. Yeah. Oh my God. Last, all those things that you just said were, were in my head. I was like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not normal. I'm not, I'm not, I'm so different from everyone else and I'm going to be rejected. And how am I going to have, have a family and find someone to love? And you know, who's going to accept me anymore? I think that was key about this guy on the bridge was just really like, he was like, mate, you don't need to be embarrassed. You know, this this is fine. And no one has spoken to me like that before. Yeah. Um, I felt like such an alien and I felt human again. Yeah. And that's not hard to do when I look back. Like, I know things are, things are changing. Things are really changing. Yeah. It's 2019 and things are really uh, moving forward, but mm-hmm. we've still got... A long so way to, long go. to go. And is it that, I mean, you mentioned your dad and the hope with which his news about prostate cancer was delivered. Is it that with mental health, it's so individual, it's so hard to kind of quantify what it is and what the pro- and what the solution, everything needs to be so tailored in a way you can't be fixed, you know, cured, or can you? Is that is that part of the problem that for somebody who's living with that, you're being told this is it pal so for me I know there's no cure some people you know that they might have one episode of depression or you know psychosis and you know they, they go on to live a kind of healthy life for me I know you know it, there's no cure and I've had relapses and I have to manage this but that's the point I have learned to manage it you know and I know I might go down but I'll always come up my favorite saying is fall down seven times stand up eight because I know, I know no matter how many times I get knocked down, I can get back up. But I had to learn that for myself. No one, no one tells you, you know, um, Johnny, you know, you can, you can learn to, to manage this as well. You know, we can talk through it. There's, there's different therapies and, you know, things like mindfulness, like you'll learn ways to cope and to manage and you, you will be happy again. I just wish someone would have, yeah, um, 
said that to me at the very beginning because mm. um well kind of normalized it and then said okay there's a basket of tricks let's figure out which exactly. ones are right for you exactly exactly and that sense of control that you get knowing that you can help yourself I suppose do you know someone someone said to me a few years ago um they said to me uh, Johnny why do you say I'm depressed or I'm schizophrenic I said what do you mean they said well you'd never say I'm cancer would you no. or I'm heart disease you'd never say that you say I have cancer or I have heart disease and they said to me they said when it comes to mental health people like it's the system again like you know people think it's just that that's all there is to them when they get a diagnosis that it's part, it, it is the core of them it's yeah. there yeah and yeah. I thought that about my mental health I was like you know I'm really I'm I messed up and I I, I yeah I mess I'm messed up essentially you I'm are really it you don't have it I'm, I am this illness but when someone said that to me about you know you have it rather than you are it and they started to say to me you know it's the brain it's not you it's the brain and there's so much more to you than the brain you know it really changed my way of looking at it I was consumed for a long time with my illness but then yeah now I'm kind of like it is it is a part of me and there's so much more to me you know I think the problem is we we separate our heads and our bodies we have mental health we have physical health mm-hmm. It's just health. The brain is an organ, just like the, the heart and the liver and the lungs. And do you know what I mean? I don't know why we have to separate it. Something my therapist said to me a while ago was he said, you know, Johnny, it's not your fault. It's the way that your brain is kind of wired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. It's, it's not my fault. And yeah, it's just something in, something in my brain. And I think we're scared. We're just scared of... You know, our brains are what's in... The what's mystery. In, it is because mm-hmm. it's so, there's been such little research and... Yeah. Yeah, so much kind of fear around losing your mind. There is there is so much fear. But, you know, there is a way back from it. And the brain is not stuck. Do you know what I mean? It's not Plastic. stuck. It's not, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with the right therapy and... I have been able to kind of change things in my brain and that might sound a bit weird. Yeah, but, but like rewiring. So yeah. you're like, actually, I, those don't work for me anymore. Yeah. I need to practice Patterns. this way. Exactly. Patterns. There's yeah. a way. There is a way. Yeah. I know people that have been through such extreme trauma but, you know, there's been a way out of it by certain treatments that have helped to rewire the brain. I mean, the brain is incredible. And the, my passion is, is young people. And we need, I believe, to start getting in from a young age. And, you know, when I was at school, no one ever talks about things like mental health or the brain. You know, it was... It wasn't even a thing. No. And we talk about mental health now, like we all understand, we all know. There's a scale in there. There's a lot of different issues, if you want. But... Back then, and you said it like as you were growing up, mental health wasn't even thing. You were like, they were a bit mental. Yeah, exactly. But there wasn't mental health. There wasn't an understanding that that was a thing. It was just a kind of un... You know, my uncle was bipolar. Mm. We ne- I never knew... As a kid, we always, there was a hushed kind of chat every time we spoke about him. And mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. after, and he commit suicide, after he died, it was years and years and years later that I said, you know, what, what was, you know, like, tell yeah, me about sure. Uncle Michael, because we were told that he drowned and he had actually left oh. a psychiatric hospital and walked into the sea and never came oh, back. Wow. And But nobody talked about it. And, and my understanding as a kid was... It was a learning disability. There was right. something that was kind of wrong, but okay. it, it was the way that it was dealt with, like a kind of, 
you know, hushed kind of, we don't really talk about that. We're not really sure how to handle it, what to do with it, nor was the system. There's something wrong. Like, we just pretend it's not happening. It was so grim, actually. So the horrendous thing is that that's so common. What you just said is so, so common. I speak to so many people that have lost loved ones to suicide and it's like, we don't talk about it. We bury it under the carpet. It's not like when, you know, Again, if I think of some, you know, people that have died of cancer, you know, you just, you talk about it. You, you don't think of hiding it. But when it comes to mental health suicide, it's like big secret. It's mm-hmm. this shame. It's shame. this kind of stigma. And it's so, I just find it really sad. It's mm-hmm. really sad. It, it shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like that. But we'll get there. We will. And it needs to start from young, young people. Totally. That's why like I'm like... I'm trying to get into schools, trying to... I want to embed mental health into the curriculum. Like, you know, when we're talking about different subjects like history, why don't we talk about those people in history that had mental health issues like Winston Churchill or Abraham Lincoln or Florence Nightingale? Or why don't we talk about the brain in science and, you know, learn a bit about that, how it works? And Or in English, uh, you know, there's things like Romeo and Juliet when we study English and Romeo and Juliet kill themselves. They do at the end of the the play. I just think if we start young... That will, it will change things for the next generation for life and then onwards for the generation after that. And that's exactly it. It's the, the shame is gone and they are equipped with the language exactly, to communicate language. what they feel and why. Exactly. And, you know, even our generation are only now having to learn how to express themselves and how to ask for help and how Absolutely. to realise that it's not a defect. Exactly. Not like, Especially guys. Especially guys. Yeah. So I'm 32. I think of people around me and my my girlfriends are more open when it comes to like the guys when I try and talk to my my male friends about it it's like no I don't if I ever suggest to to them you know well you know if you talk about therapy oh I don't need to see a therapist no way no no therapy's not for me nah I don't need it and I'm like no it's fine like you know if if you had, had again a physical injury you wouldn't hesitate to go to the physio physiotherapist yeah you know and seeing a psychotherapist or psychiatrist it's no different but there is still this kind of like well we keep saying it stigma there is particularly for the for the guys you know everything's contained inside us that's the thing like a therapist is just there to guide you everything is actually in you Mm -hmm. you know all all the strength and all the tools you need you have them inside you but you just need that that therapist or whoever is just to guide you gently let's talk about those tools so you have everything you need inside but like those kind of rituals or the tools that you go to to help you manage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are they so for me therapy Mm -hmm. therapy i have i see my therapist every week and i actually i have something called cft cft is um compassion focused therapy you know and particularly things like self-compassion and self-acceptance self-forgiveness these are such important concepts um mindfulness is another meditation for me is so key it doesn't work for everyone i know mm-hmm. it's not for everyone but so is that daily meditation i try <laughs> when you can when yeah. i can when i can yeah no it, it, it is and again like i used to think ah, oh, you know meditation mindfulness is all about getting rid of the thoughts the feelings i really thought you know oh i'm sitting here trying to meditate and it's just it's just everything's so loud mm-hmm. in, inside of me and i was like now i realize it's it's not about getting rid of those difficult challenging thoughts feelings it's actually just letting them be and not giving them the power and in a similar way to the idea of i am depressed i am schizophrenic it's like your thoughts are not you you have these thoughts they don't define you absolutely the amount of people that 
have spoken to me about Tony, I get I get these thoughts. I get I get these like oh my dark God. thoughts. Yeah, of. or like the amount of people that have said to me, Oh my god, I get these intrusive thoughts about like pushing people down the escalators when I'm on the escalator at the tube. Oh my god, what if I just yeah. What if I just push someone down? On the tube, down? totally. You're yeah. like, that, it could happen literally yeah. now. Right. And so, the fear that it might happen without you really wanting it to, but this like compulsion that yeah, something compulsion, has taken you over. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. everyone has that. Just We just, I wish, and again, I think particularly like in the time we live in like social media, where everyone just like sees people having these perfect lives and everything looks great and rosy. And But actually, no, we all struggle with this really fucking hard thoughts. Mm-hmm like those compulsions to push someone on the tube we all have it and so let's just be more real and just be honest about it i feel like i'm on a rant no i love a rant okay let's fast forward to today Mm -hmm. so what are you thankful for today right now Mm -hmm. okay um, to be honest, I'm very thankful that we're having this conversation. Same, I Is love that, it. Yeah, I thought that might be lame if I said that. No, I it's like not lame. It. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just feel really, well, obviously, very grateful to you. Mm-hmm. Even what six years ago, I, if someone would have said to me, I'd be <laughs> sitting in this room with you talking openly about mental health. I'd have mm-hmm. just, well, I just would have been like, whatever, that's like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. No way. But the point is, no, here I am. I'm able to talk very openly. I've got an understanding. I've got insight. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very grateful that we can have these sorts of conversations because I meet so many people every day in the work that I do that still feel they can't have these sorts of conversations that we're having. Yeah. Just the very thought of using that word, that term, mental health, mental health mm-hmm. is so alien and so scary to so many people um so i just feel very grateful that we can as we should as we should as we should be able to sit here and have a conversation very openly very frankly about about mental health but i feel very grateful because i know a lot of people can't and i you know traveling around the world and you know in india for example I, i did some work in india and i saw people chained up i saw people handcuffed and chained to walls for talking about their their mental health and being open about what was going on in their head. And to think that, you know, we can sit here and and just talk very openly. I I just feel very, very, very lucky. And I just wish everyone could be so open and so honest. Mm -hmm. Because I think our worlds would change if we were able to just sit down with our friends, our families, our... For me, it was a stranger on the bridge, do you know what I mean? If I could talk to a stranger... Um, openly and, 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 and honestly then we should just be able to talk to each other yeah. we all have the same brains don't we mm-hmm. we're no different we're not that different from, from each other so I just wish we could all have this open conversation This Mother's Day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The thank you next. Recently, 
I came off all my dating apps, which was like huge for me because. Um, so how many were there? Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Dozens, no like way. from Grinder to Scroff. Have you heard of Scroff? I've heard of Scroff. Oh, okay, yeah, Growler. Okay. Oh yes. Okay, which is also you know nickname for a female part of the anatomy in Scotland. A growler, <laughs> which is the worst word for a vagina ever. But anyway, and also a bit weird. So, so I wouldn't know about that sort of yeah. thing. I'm, I'm not kind of okay with that. <laughs> so, um, okay. So there were a few. Yeah, there were a few. And I was just like, oh, I've had so many disasters in terms of like dating and meeting up with people. And I was just like, yeah, I've had enough. I need to, I need to focus back on myself and... I do a lot of traveling for work and every time I used to go to a new place I'd be like right switch on my grinder my tinder and my okay cupid who's around who's around who am I gonna maybe spend tonight with and I'm like oh it's so tedious to be honest okay you know I've spent <laughs> hours and hours and hours on these on these apps wasting my time I guess really when I could have been exploring what's around me what's outside of me I was dependent on these apps I was dependent on finding someone to be honest on having a hookup like Mm -hmm. before we started we talked about loneliness yeah i felt really lonely for a long time and so and and the thing with these apps like grinder you can meet with someone if i turn it on now i could be at someone's house within the next 10 minutes or the office next door well yeah yeah (laughs) sorry i hope i didn't (laughs) out anyone (laughs) Um, but yeah that kind of instant oh my god yeah instant gratification but you know, I'd have a great time with that person if I eventually found someone. And then I'd go away and just feel a bit crap, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I'm looking for something a bit more now. Mm-hmm. I've had my fun. Yeah. Um, so your wild oats. So my wild oats, exactly. Well, it's funny because I think um, there's a real power in that, in going, oh my God, this is the time of my life when yeah. I can be absolutely selfish I don't Mm. I'm not answerable to anybody I Mm. don't need to be home at a certain time I can do literally whatever I want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that's quite a luxury it is and again I feel really blessed actually Mm -hmm. feel really blessed um you know I I don't have kids not that you know I'd love kids but um but they wake up but they (laughs) (laughs) and they're waiting for you right (laughs) But I don't have those that kind of responsibility and therefore I should enjoy single life. What is your thank fuck for this? So the thing, you know, that you kind of just couldn't be without. For me, it's, it's music. Okay. Music. Um, I feel, again, that's a bit of a standard answer. No, we haven't had that. <gasps> okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, music, music for me. I just know if I'm having a horrendous day, I can just get my phone out, my iPod, just plug my earphones in, and I've got thousands and thousands of songs that will just completely take me off somewhere, and I'll feel like a different person. Um, so I've actually got a playlist that is, um, what do I call it? Like positive playlist. Oh, nice. Um, I used to have a playlist. When I was growing up, I used to have a playlist called The Blues. which went- So would that be... Because I spoke to somebody about this recently. It was an, I, I had it, but I had like a little tape recorder. And uh-huh. there was an Elvis song that I used to play literally on repeat. And I would okay. cry. Oh. 
it was so lovely because I knew it was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go and have a little week yeah, for myself. Which is okay, which is yeah. good. Actually. So what was your, uh, uh, that was not what your blues oh one God. was about, was it? Mine was like all Radiohead like, <gasps> and like songs that I would, if I was feeling, blech, yeah. if I was feeling horrendous at like university, I'd just go and play this playlist and just feel even more Blech. Yeah, you know so I mean? you just be like go wallow. Wallow, that's wallow. the word, wallow. But I think if you give yourself a, a kind of, you know, time limit, I feel like wallowing is a positive Do you know what? Sometimes. You're absolutely right. It's okay. Mm. It is okay. But when it becomes a sort of daily habit, maybe. Okay, yeah. Then, or at least have a mix. Have, a, have your wallowing half hour and then have your... Okay, I'm going to try and make myself feel good again. And so, it's Britney, bitch. Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's. I need to put that on my playlist. Yes. Yeah. So, just realized so, I, uh, so this positive playlist. Yeah. What's on it? I'm so. I'm just going to have a quick look. Um, I need to add Britney yeah. to it. That's a good song. So on my on my positive playlist are all sorts of things such as um, "Shake It Out" by Florence and the Machine. Oh, what a tune! It's all about just you know letting those demons go yeah. love it I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor beautiful wow you know anthem. it is an anthem these are all anthems I've got uh, Raw by Katy Perry oh, um, Feeling Good Nina Simone uh, all the women oh, it's mostly women actually where's, where's the men it's good um, Let It Go from Frozen I, I mean, mean this wow this is an, a playlist and a half. Oh, some of them are really cheesy. Go on, give me a cheeser. Okay. Um, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> oh, no, you got it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's kind of like... Yeah. Again, just letting go and just being like, want to have fun. The thanks that got away. You, you did go back to Neil. Mm. How did you decide to to launch that campaign to try and find him? After we met on the bridge, his actions and his words really kind of stuck with me. Of course they did, you know, what he said. Even though it's simple, just him saying, mate, you're going to be all right. You are going to get through this. Just It sounds really simple as I say it, but... But how in- he made you feel. Like- the impact, like... Um, I can't describe it. But yeah, so it was always with me and... Six years on from that incident on the bridge, when I was um, in a better place, I was working with a mental health charity called Rethink Mental Illness. And Rethink said to me, you know, wow, your story is is, is, is uh, really interesting. Why don't you try and find that guy? Mm. And I was like, uh, how? Like, how? Because we didn't have, I didn't have his details. We didn't exactly like swap yeah. business cards on the bridge. They were like, no, let's launch a social media campaign. Let's find him. And we did. We launched this social media campaign. But the amazing thing is that when we launched that campaign, <laughs> 38 other Neils came forward being like, I stopped someone on a bridge. Stop it. No, seriously. Around that time. That's I mean, insane. Yep. It's just, again, through the work that I've done, I don't think we realise how many people help other people in crisis yeah. and then just go on their way. I've spoken to so many people that that's happened to. You know, someone goes to someone like a bridge, you know, when they're at the end yeah. and then someone else comes along and they'll talk to them. Sometimes they've grabbed them, they pull them back. The amount of people I've spoken to where that's happened, um, it's just uh, kind of mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Wow. 38 people came forward. 
And then Neil came forwards and said, it's me. Um, and yeah, we were reunited. And ugh, that was that was extraordinary, you know, getting to meet him and yeah. sit down with him and be like, mate, <laughs> um, thank you, thank you, thank you for... There's not enough. Do you know when there's not... You, you can't say thank you enough. Yeah. It's thank you's not... not doesn't do the it's not big enough it's not big enough and 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 for my family as well Mm -hmm. you know they were like can't really don't really have the words but the most what was really amazing is that he was like don't thank me (laughs) he was like you know you did the hard work yourself and i was like my god he was just incredibly humble the big thank you so (laughs) so the big thank you would be to my friends because my friends uh, have been through a lot with me if I'm honest you know there's been really difficult periods where you know I've I've pushed them away and I've not been myself so maybe I've not always treated my friends in the best way I could have because of my that sounds really bad, me blaming it on my mental health. But when I'm mentally unwell, I'm not, I'm not the person that I am now, right here. And when I'm not myself, I, I'm, I'm not the nicest person to be around. I'm not the best person to be around. And I've pushed people away when they've tried to help, and I've taken for granted mm-hmm. a lot. My, my friends, who've some of my friends have like yes, stuck with me from the very beginning, all the way through to like all the really hard hard times all the way through to now and I know they'll stick with me till the end that's the thing and I just feel uh really 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 fortunate really for them and yeah. do you have any you know advice for somebody who is friends with somebody who's mm. who's suffering who may be actively pushing them away is there you know and that's maybe a difficult no, question not to all, answer not but what like a family member who's doing the same thing. What I know. is the best? I mean, I go, I go through it. Quite a few of my guy mates, my, my, my male friends will, mm. you know, go through stuff and they'll push me away. And it's hard, but you've got to remember, it's not, it's not you. Okay. It's, it's that it's them that's, that's struggling. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for me, the key is um, being patient with that person. Gently, I gently check in with those people, mm-hmm. you know, those, those people that, you know, are trying to um, alienate themselves and just gently check in and gently remind them that I'm here. And I think the patience is so key it, and the perseverance is is really important. So, yeah, gently checking in. If I look back at someone like my brother, my brother was amazing at that. So he would just drop me little texts every now and then when I was trying to just push everyone away and just, just drop me a little text. And it seemed to always come at the right point just when I needed it. He'd say something like, um, hang in there, um, just little things like, you know, I'm, you know, I know you're going to get through this. And that was enough, to be honest. Sometimes it's just the little, little texts. Little texts is what it takes. Just every, every couple of weeks or whatever. And yeah. that's, that can be enough. So don't underestimate, you know, what, what, you, what you're doing for the other person. Even if they're trying to push you away and you're still trying to, just drop them little a text, a little call, a little 
DM, whatever it is, that is enough. That is enough. You are doing your best and they'll get there. They'll get there. Just like I got there, they'll get there as well. Now that you work, and actually it might not be work related, but what is the best thank you that you have ever received from somebody? I feel a bit um, big headed saying it, I guess, but people, I've had a few people that have said that, uh, you know, save their lives or, or change their lives because of me telling my story or, you know, sharing what's happened to me. I don't um, think that's big-headed. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, I always say to them, it's not me, it's you, 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 you did it. You, it's hard, mm. such hard work. It's them, it's them that, that really did it. I just... Allow them to know it's possible, maybe. Yeah, but when I get those sorts of messages, you know, I just say, well, this is why... I need to keep on doing what I'm doing because sometimes it can be hard and frustrating, like especially, you know, if I do stuff like trying to get stuff done in politics, you know, meet politicians and all that crap. It can be frustrating trying to get things changed in like mental health policy, mental health system. You feel you're fighting and fighting and fighting. But then when you get a message that says, um, thank you for the work you do, I've gone and seen a doctor because of you. Yeah. Mm, that keeps me going that that makes me think yeah you know no matter what the bullshit with 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 politics and that's about the individual that's that's what's important so yeah um i need to keep reminding me that because it is isn't it it's about the it's about the 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 other human Mm -hmm. the hashtag blessed with a little wink and a prayer hands emoji (laughs) moment so my blessed moment it's going to be a bit weird but it was monday morning rush hour great well basically it was my first kind of ever day at work in a full-time job and i was 26 i think it must have been about 26 i'd had this long period of being unwell and not being able to work properly um and then finally, I managed to get a full-time job. Actually, it was working in, in TV. It was working... Um, I was doing a mental health documentary for BBC Three. Yeah. And uh, this production company, they, they employed me full-time. It was a Monday morning rush hour. And, you know, you can imagine Monday morning rush hour. Everyone's like, ugh. You but. just want to push someone into the track. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for self. <laughs> um, I, but I was like, this, this day, because of my first day at work, first full-time job... It meant so much to me. It meant so much to me. I'd never thought I could really work again. And to know that I was about to start work on this Monday and I now had this full-time job. I had a contract. I was just like walking around, like grinning from ear to ear with like the best music on. And everyone else is around me Monday morning, like, you know, God, get me back to Sunday. And I'm like, no, like this is the best feeling ever. And yeah, for me, I felt so much gratitude at that point because I was like no I've, I've done it I've done it I've, I've got to this point this is a huge huge achievement for me I kind of also like the fact that no one else knew maybe it was kind of a secret triumph yeah secret triumph that was really burning inside of me that Monday morning on my way to that that job it might sound weird to people because it's like well it's it's a it's a job but I think when you've been through something that is so debilitating and when you think you're never ever going to get better and, and you kind of been reduced to this you, this this shell of a person this I think I, I speak to a lot of people that have got that moment 
where they've overcome maybe a mental health or whatever, any health challenge. And there's that one moment when they're like, oh my God, I've done it. I've, 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 I've got there. And oh my God, it's, it's such a feeling of overcoming and, and pride. And yeah, that, I just remember that moment. I'll never forget that moment. And it is amazing, that idea that the things that we so often take for granted mm. are like moments of where everything changes really. Mm. You're like, I, I'm back. Mm. Oh, it's the, yeah, I mean, that feeling of uh, I'm, I'm back is, because especially when you think you're never going to get back. Mm. And to be honest, if I'm completely honest, I'll never be back to the person that I was before I got ill. Mm. I'll never be back to that person, and but it's okay. I am back, but as a different person, as a stronger person, actually, I don't have some of the qualities I might have had before I got ill. Maybe my confidence has gone. I've got new insight and I've got new strength. And just to know that you've overcome, for me, you know, my, the meaning of life for me is to find peace, more peace within myself peace of mind and to know that I've done it I've found some peace of mind and I've I've come to accept and to you know um, love myself to be honest I think I love you too <laughs> <laughs> is that a bit forward <laughs> no no I mean no absolutely not <laughs> you are a wonder Thank you. and it's been an absolute pleasure I could stay here all day, but like, I don't know how long is an average podcast. Uh, We might need to do a second day. We should. (laughs) Thank you so, so much, honestly. Thank you. A massive thank you to Johnny Benjamin. His new book, The Book of Hope, will be out early next year. If this has sparked some ideas about what you are thankful for this week, please do drop me a line at hashtag thanks a million or at Angela Scanlon on the usual platforms. And if you've been affected by any of the issues we spoke about in the programme, please do know that there are always people to talk to. The Samaritans listen to problems big and small by phone or by text. Say hello on 116123. That is 116123. And if this is your first taste of Thanks a Million, then subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your smart speaker of choice. And if you're loving the show, please do write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spread the word. We'd be very grateful. Cheers again to Johnny, to producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lot for listening. Thanks a million. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.